You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Let me go ahead and tell you right out of the gate, I'm not mad, but I'm awfully disappointed. Not mad, I'm awfully disappointed. We let one get away from us. We did. We're going to talk about that a lot today. We had a lot to overcome. And one thing I want to say before we get too deep into the show. I love all of y'all, but some of y'all make my head hurt. Just laying it out there for you. It's like we, we grab on to something. And we're like, oh, well, this is why we lost. And so here's the deal. We missed three field goals, and that contributed to our loss. We got off to a slow start offensively. That contributed to our loss. We couldn't get a stop on the last drive. That contributed to our loss. There were some officials that made some bad calls. That contributed to our loss. Here's the deal. All of it is true. It's all true. But we had a chance to overcome the slow start. We had a chance to even overcome some of the bad calls. But the reality of it is, is we are not a good enough football team to overcome all of that. We can't get a slow start. We can't uh, play poorly at times on defense. You know, we can't go out there and miss field goals. We're, what, a four-point dog in the game, and we left at least nine points on the field? At least? We're not good enough to overcome that. But all of those things are true. Like there's some people blaming the officials. You know, there's some blame in all that. There's some people blaming the kickers. There's some blame in all that. So some people blaming Will Rogers for throwing the ball higher early in the ball game. There's some blame in all that. Some of you receivers dropped the football. There's some blame in all that. But there's enough blame to go around. We lost the football game. No, I, I, guess, I guess a better way to put it is we blew it. We did. And listen, give Arkansas some credit. You know, two minutes and 22 seconds to go. They had to go 75 yards, take the lead. They did. They did. Give them some credit. Did they have some help along the way from us? Yes. Did they have some help along the way from officials? Yes. But you know what? They did it. The reality of it is we had to lead. They had to drive essentially 75 yards, and we couldn't get a stop. And even then, when it seemed like all was lost, your quarterback, who was growing up before your eyes, leads you down the field in 20 seconds and sets up a game-time field goal. He deserved a lot better. A lot of your players deserved a lot better than what they got on Saturday. But the reality of it is, is all those things contributed to a loss in a ball game that we, we should have won. We'd be 6-3 and three today, feeling great about life. We still feel okay. We'd feel a whole lot better 
And the reality of it is, is since Mike Leach has been here, we have been competitive in every single game other than when we play Alabama. It's kind of the reality of it, right? Auburn kind of got after us a little bit last year late, but we still had a chance to win the ball game. Far cry from what we were under Jim Moorhead, right? That, I'm not one that accepts mediocrity. I don't accept it in my personal life, my professional life. I don't accept it from people around me. It irritates me to no end. When I have somebody around me that is willing to say, well, that's good enough. And I think to myself, well, it'll never be good enough if that's our attitude. It'll never be good enough. We say, well, that's good enough. I want more from Mississippi State than to keep it close. I want more from Mississippi State to just go cover the spread. I want to win. And I really want to win convincingly. I kind of agree with the coach of the uh, who the Hawks and the Mighty Ducks. Remember Gordon Bombay's old coach? It's not worth winning if you can't win big. I, that's what I believe. I want Mississippi State. I want people to fear Mississippi State. When Mississippi State comes up on a schedule, I want only their homers to say, hey, we got a chance. I want the casual fan to say, oh, my gosh, we got Mississippi State this week. That's what I hope we're growing back to. Because there used to be a time under Jackie Sherrill and Dan Mullen the teams did not want to see Mississippi State. They just didn't. They knew we would physically beat you up, and they knew we'd win the ball game, and if we had a chance to hammer you down, we would. There were some times that Dan Mullen took the foot off the gas, but the reality of it is I do feel like we have made some progress, even as bad as it stunk. It's, uh, be careful what I say here. As bad as it stinks to lose Saturday in a game we should have won, our expectations were to maybe be a 7-5 and five type team. We still can be. Still got a chance to go win a bowl again. The reality of it is, I think sometimes we get caught up in our week-to-week expectations, and I am guilty of this too. It's like, yeah, I said 7-5 and five is probably, you know, the over-under, probably the fair assessment of this team in the preseason. But, you know, week-to-week week you start thinking, man, we should have beat Memphis. We should have. Maybe we shouldn't have beat A&M, but we did. We toughed it out. We did. Some people in the SEC media, for some reason, love Kentucky. We beat them, too. And then we go on the road and play our Arkansas, a team that's basically comparable to us. And here's the reality of it. Two good teams got together and played a great college football game. And as I shared on the Arkansas message board, everybody was happy until the game went final. Everybody felt like their team was good, their team deserved to win the ball game until we missed that last field goal. And there's enough blow to go, uh, blame to go around. Again, I'm not, I'm not shouldering that burden on the uh, young shoulders of one uh, Nolan McCord. I'm sure he'll tell you he, he should have made it. But there was a lot that went wrong. Shouldn't have come down to that, but it did. But again, all these things can be true. But they all add up to this. Mississippi State lost a football game. We should have won. That's the reality of it. Not going to sit here and have a pity party, but also not going to excuse the fact and say, hey, you know, we're on track because, you know, we could be ahead of schedule right now, too. How fun would that be? What if we're 6-3, and three, already bowl eligible, with a Tennessee State win in our back pocket, and then we've got Auburn and Ole Miss coming up, and you start thinking, well, wait a minute. we got a chance to get to eight wins in a regular season, guarantee ourselves a winning season, no matter what happens in the bowl game. Now we're way ahead of schedule. You won four games last year, and you think, man, if we could double up the win total, Mike Leach might get some consideration for SEC Coach of the Year. I mean, he won't win it. Kirby Smart's going to win it, right? But the reality of it is, is, yeah, we are trending in the right direction. But, man, wouldn't it feel that much better about things if we could have won that ball game on Saturday? Not going to sit here and you know, cry in the beer a little bit and, and uh, feel sorry for ourselves, but we're going to give an accurate and honest assessment of how things are today. 
Uh, before we get into the recap, a couple things I want to talk about too is uh, you guys are probably aware by now, uh, Texas Tech has hired a head football coach and uh, his name is not Mike Leach. You know, we talked about that last week because um, you know, there was a lot of t- discussion out there. There was a lot of, uh, I guess, agent noise. And so uh, it looks like Joey McGuire, Baylor assistant coach, Joey McGuire, not even the coordinator there, will be the head coach at Texas Tech. I told you guys last week, and I meant it, there was nothing to these rumors. The hire now confirms that. That is now off the table. Now, of course, you know, we endured this with Dan Mullen, where every time a job came open, his name was mentioned in connection with it, right? And speaking of Dan Mullen, they have an, an awful weekend, and uh, the hammer swings on Sunday, Black Sunday in Gainesville for many. Our friend Todd Grantham terminated, and uh, I had heard from some mutual friends a couple of weeks ago that Todd expected to be fired at year's end. Maybe he didn't expect it to happen mid-year, but it did. John Havasey, who has been with Dan Mullen basically their entire adult lives together, also terminated. And it makes you wonder if maybe Mullen is not a little more aware of the noise in the machine than he was in Starkville. Because here's the deal. When Dan was at Starkville, when Dan was at Mississippi State, he didn't care. He didn't care what anybody outside of the Seal Football Complex thought. He didn't. And the relationship between he and Scott Strickland towards the end of their tenure here was pretty chilly. That's what kind of surprised people, you know, when Strickland goes out and hires him. But here's the deal. Dan, Dan's leaving either way. Dan had already basically agreed to a, a deal with Tennessee. This hadn't finalized. And, and uh, I have those open records, documents floating around here somewhere. You know, the week of the Egg Bowl, the most important game of the year, according to Dan Mullen. Dan's out there playing footsie with Tennessee and setting up a uh, an interview for later in the week. Then, of course – Florida gets involved after, you know, Scott Frost and Chip Kelly elected to go elsewhere. And then, you know, I guess in Strickland's mind, he's probably thinking, hey, if he's leaving anyway, maybe we should benefit from that. We're well, not benefiting today. Not benefiting today. Florida, well behind their expectations and behind Mississippi State in the standings, a little bit uh, apropos, if you'd ask me. Got a chance, uh, you know, that's the thing, too. You begin to think about what if we have the same record as Florida when they start making the bowl pairings? You know, Florida's got a much bigger fan base, but how motivated are they going to be to travel? They're, if you go read their message boards, they want Dan Mullen out. Now, here's what's interesting. Dan Mullen signed an extension this summer, a three-year extension, that made him among the five highest-paid coaches in America. But the buyout's only $12 million. You say, well, Steve, $12 million's a lot of money. Well, it's a lot of money for us. It's not a lot of money for Florida. That's one of the things that I think about, too, is, you know, granted, I'm not you know, a wealthy man by any stretch. I've done okay. I've met a few dollar bills along the way. But I can't begin to imagine to say, you know what, I love Mississippi State football enough that I'm going to go ahead and pay this buyout for you guys. I would love to have that kind of money. But there are people connected to Florida Gators football that are willing to say, you know what, hey, this is what we live for. Florida football is what we do. And so, nah, I can't have this guy out here anymore. I don't think it happens this year. I think Dan Mullen enters next year on the hot seat, gets a chance to right the ship. And the fact they're firing assistant coaches at this point in the season tells me there's a good chance he's going to be back next year. And he's kind of jumping ahead to say, you know what, you want me to make changes, guys? Okay, here we go. I'll make your changes. Just keep sending the checks. I'll make your changes. You want John Havasey gone? Gone. 
He's my longtime friend, been with me 20 years, gone. That's how much I want your job. That's how I interpret all that. And I understand from some mutual friends, uh, it did not go over well with Hevesy. And so here's the thing about Hev, too. Hev is a hell of an offensive line coach. He really is. Not a very patient recruiter. And he kind of gets that from his boss. Because Dan's like that, too. Dan's not going to get out there and fight for the st- in the streets for recruits. Just not going to do it. Not going to do it. So the reality of that deal is this. Things are not well at the University of Florida. Now, they have a couple winnable games left on the schedule, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. They'll get Sanford this weekend. But listen, nobody's going to be at that game. Nobody's going to show up and go to that ball game. Fans are off the wagon, Danny boy. The bloom is off the rose. You know what it kind of reminds me of? And maybe I've shared this with you guys before. It reminds me of like the guy who, you know, he finds this great girl and maybe they get married like an undergrad. You know, maybe they're, maybe they're, they're going to college together and it's this great college romance and they get married after college and there's all their great friends and all of her friends are the, the bridesmaids and it's all your lives are going to be so great together because Dan's going to go off to medical school and he's going to be the successful doctor. And then next thing you know, Dan goes to medical school and like sets up his great practice. He's doing really well. And then he dumps the girl that was there with him from the beginning. That's what it seems like. It's like, okay, so Dan dumps his college sweetheart, you know, for some Instagram model and then finds out that the Instagram model really doesn't want him that much. And so now all the, you know, all the friends, all the bridesmaids are thinking that you don't want to, you don't want to be married to that guy. So the, the, they kind of poison the well a little bit. That's kind of how it feels with this Dan Mullen thing. It's like Mississippi State was good to Dan Mullen. Even at times when Dan Mullen wasn't great to Mississippi State, very grateful to Dan Mullen for what he did here at Mississippi State, gave us a great amount of pride. We always felt like we had a chance to win every ball game for the most part. Didn't always meet our expectations, but, you know, we always felt like, you know, we can move the football. We can go out there offensively and score. Dan knows what he's doing with offensive football. Not always going to be a great recruiter. Was a good recruiter by Mississippi State standards. Not necessarily by Florida standards. And that's the thing. Is when you leave here and you slap on that Florida logo and and your attitude is, hey, this logo is going to open some doors for me that I never had at Mississippi State. That's true. It also opens up some fights you never had before right? Because at Mississippi State, by and large, we're not really fighting for the five-star recruits unless they're home state kids. It's just, I mean, that, that's the neighborhood in which we live. And so you, you win Jeffrey Simmons because of David Turner, not because of Dan Mullen. But when you go to Florida, you know, there's five or six Jeff Simmons that you're chasing every single year, and you got to compete with Notre Dame and USC and Alabama and Georgia, Florida State, others. You've got to constantly deal with blue blood programs that have these assistant coaches that are trying to get elevated to be a coordinator somewhere. And so, yeah, that logo opens some doors for you, but it brings more arrows at your target than you've ever had before. And a lot of people can't deal with it. It takes a special person to coach a blue blood. I mean, it really, really does. I mean, you think about the coaches of our youth, right? I mean, you know, Barry Switzer. That was a guy that, you know, while he was, uh, you kind of hated you know, in, in certain circles, the guy consistently won. He was loyal to Oklahoma. Darryl Royal, same thing in Texas. You know, look at what Nick Saban's done at Alabama. And at the end of the day, Nick Saban's is an old-school coach with old-school values that just kind of has a new approach to recruiting. 
but it takes a special person to coach a blue blood. To deal with the demands of coaching a blue blood, you've got to be a blue blood. And that's what happens. A lot of people move into neighborhoods in which they don't belong, thinking, hey, I finally made it. They only don't find out that their neighbors don't like them. Those are the things that I think about. Let's think of our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. They will come through for you. They'll be loyal to you. How about that? You'll get more than your money's worth at Bulldog Burger Company. Great people, great food, great prices, great portions. I've shared with you guys before, a lot of restaurants cutting back on the portions, leaving the price the same, and maybe cutting your French fries in half. Maybe getting a less quality beef product. Nah, nah, not Bulldog Burger Company. Nope. Nope. Same great tradition, same quality, same money. How about that? That's the cool thing about it. You get your money's worth more than your money's worth to Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Stark Bay gets Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And the brand new in Lake Harbor Drive in the Roach and Flowood area. Go check them out today. You'll be glad you did. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. Do that for yourself. It'll make you and everybody around you better looking. Maybe get that chocolate shake to go. They have some great bread pudding there as well. You can't go wrong with Bulldog Burger Company. Bring the kids today, whether it be a family night or perhaps a girls' night out, a guys' night watching the ball game. They've got the atmosphere to accommodate whatever you'd like to do. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk about this ball game. There were some things I felt good about, some things I was unhappy about. So we're going to run through all of them. Man, it stinks to lose that ball game. Man, it does. It really, really stinks. And again, we get we get we get in a bad spot. You know, we we open up in a bad position right out of the gate. Get down in a hole. Got to stop doing that, guys. We got to stop spotting everybody a two score lead. So Arkansas wins a toss and elects to receive, which gives us the option to defer, which is probably what we would have done either way. So you say, well, they won the toss. I think we both win. I think they wanted to go on offense first, and I think considering the fact that State was so strong against the run, I thought it might have been an interesting conversation in the locker room. Said, so what do we want to do? When they elected to go for it first, I turned to Steph. You guys know Steph, right? Steph from the Tupelo Daily Journal. I said, hey, Steph, I bet they do play action or something kind of gimmicky here. And lo and behold, what do they do? The double pass. Incomplete. Of course, they give it to Burks, and, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's the guy that straw that, that stirs the drink up there. So it's incomplete. We actually covered it up pretty well. Pretty well. Good pass would have got us, but there wasn't a good pass. Well, then they run KJ for four, trying to establish a ground game. Brings up a third and six. They run it, gets seven, gets a first down. But it was a very competitive first down. Then there's a false start. We get them behind the chains, which is an absolute disaster for them. Absolute disaster for them to be behind the chains. Takes them off schedule, they say. Well, they run for 13 yards, and then there is a fumble, and we recover the fumble. At first glance, I didn't think it was a fumble. Then they showed the replay. It looked like the ball might have been moving a little bit before the elbow was down. When they showed the other angle, it looks like there's not enough to sustain the call, so they overturn the call. Makes it second and two. Um... So then there's a false start on them. So it makes it a second and seven. They run for six, brings up a third and one. And uh, we do a great job there. Jed Johnson kind of nice through there, playing really well for Mississippi State. He and Charlton stack it up for a one-yard loss. Now they have to punt. But 
they're punting from their 45. And so because of the fact they were able to come out there and move the chains a little bit, they kind of begin to establish some dominance when it comes to field position. We get the ball at our 20 after the touchback on the punt. We're incomplete to Wiley, broken up by Grant Morgan. It easily could have been picked. I don't know if it's just good film review or the fact that maybe Morgan was reading the quarterback's eyes, but he undercuts Wiley, nearly picks it off. Then we run it to, to Woody for four, who is playing exceptional. And then we're incomplete to Jaden Wiley, and uh, one he should have had. He'll tell you that the ball was a little bit high, but it went through Wiley's hands. Maybe he heard footsteps, I don't know. But the bottom line is, it's time to punt. Fourth and six, March 24, Archer Trafford punting yet again. And it's a 44-yard punt. They run into the kicker there. We elect to decline the penalty. That's the thing you think about. They're at their 32, and it's like if you take the five-yard penalty and re-kick, they nearly blocked it. So what if we take the penalty and re-kick and they block it? Then you're thinking, well, well, it's a touchdown for them, or they could have it at 32. And I'm sure that kind of probably factored into the decision there. They get the ball first, and um, – Put together a pretty decent drive here. I thought it was really kind of a bend but don't break. We got really difficult to run on uh, later in this drive. Dominic Johnson goes for six, brings up a second and four. It's complete to Warren Thompson for five and the first down. We get to KJ for a sack. Big Buki Watson. Great play there. And again, behind the chain, second, 12. What do they do? They run it to try to get a manageable third down. And it's four-yard game, brings up a third and eight. You're thinking, okay, let's get off the field. They, they drag Burks. Basically, it was a crossing route, but it was deeper. I, I'm, I guess you could call it a post. But he beats Fred Peters on the play. Pretty good scheming up there by Kendall Browse to get their guy in space. First and 10, there's a false start again on them. Backs him up first and 15. So, again, they're behind the chains. No gain on first down, four yards on second, brings up a third and 11. We do a great job here. We cover everything up, and we run K.J. around. And so that's that's the game plan, right, is get them behind the chains, force him to be a quarterback, make him read coverages when he can. He'll tuck it and go, and let's get him out of bounds well before the chains. That's exactly what happens. Brings up a fourth and eight to our 28. Cam Little with a 46-yard field goal to make it 3-0 Arkansas. And I think we felt pretty good about that, too. You had the one big play, but by and large, you managed it pretty well. But the one play basically puts them in the field goal position, and uh, you yield points as a result. We get back on the field, and uh, again, a touchback. Tula Griffin did not make the trip. No reason given. Woody Marks, your main return guy, he and DJ back there. So first and 25, we go to Woody for a gain of one. We're incomplete to Makai Polk. And, uh, again, this is high. Makai might tell you he should have had it. I don't know that he should have. But, again, we're kind of misfiring early. Then we're incomplete to Polk. They break it up there. So now it's fourth and nine. We get a delay of the game on the, uh, on the punt. I don't understand that. I don't understand how that happens. How does that happen? I mean, it's like we know it's third and long. The punt team should be ready. And so they got, they take the field, and we get a delay of the game penalty. They're, that's just inexcusable. And it seems like a small thing in the grand scheme of things, but to me it, it, it's a symptom of a bigger problem that we're not very good on special teams. Then we get a false start. So now instead of being fourth and nine from our 26, it's fourth and 19 from our 16. 
We get a 44-yard punt to the Arkansas 40, so they're already in great field position. And what do you know? What do you what do you think happens? Of course, this is what happens. You give them good field position, and some of that because of the fact that we gifted them 10 yards through our own ineptitude uh, with the punt team. They go down and score. First and 10 at their 48, excuse me. So they're already at in their midfield. Uh, they run the little wildcat package, a little bit of a gimmick thing. And that's the thing that I kind of thought about, too, is this is really kind of a, a compliment to the Bulldog defense that they're already this deep into the gadget bag. They run the wildcat thing there. Trillin Burks takes it six, 26 yards off the left, left side for a first down, brings up first and 10 at our 26. Then Johnson runs for 14. I thought he, he's not the fastest guy, but he runs really hard. Another false start makes it first and 10. Uh, excuse me, first and 10, 15 at the 17. Johnson runs for five. Sanderson gets nothing. Randy Charlton with a great tackle there. Brings up a third and 10. And you think, okay, we ought to have a chance to get off the field here and hold them to a field goal. So they decide to throw basically, you know, kind of a one-man route, basically. They tried to get Burks paired up man, man-to-man coverage out there. The ball was uncatchable. If they had called holding, I kind of might could have got away with it. Of course, that was a bigger deal later in the ballgame, right? But they call interference here. Trevor Burks wasn't going to catch a pass. Wasn't going to catch it. And so it extends the drive, makes it first and go at the three, and, of course, they score. Uh, I guess it took them two plays. You know, K.J. was ruled initially in, but he was about a half yard short, and then Dominic Johnson scores. But, again, here we go. Big third down chance to get off the field, and then uh, we have a play not go our way. Some of that's them. And and give Browse some credit, too. It's like, you know what, when you paired a guy like Burks up in man coverage, you guys got to do a great job there. And because they're isolated out there in the full view of officials, you might get a call. You would think that would be the case, right? I mean, you would think if it's wide out in open space and officials can see it, you'd get a, a penalty. But, you know, that, that wasn't the case later in the ballgame. All right, so then, of course, it's 10 nothing now. I still didn't feel panic about that. You know what? If we get any farther behind this ballgame, we're in trouble. Three, 348 to go, and you're thinking, okay, let's figure some things out here. Let's get some things going. We've got plenty of time. It's just the first quarter, right? Let's find a way to get some points on the floor, on the, on the board. Well, we end up, because of a block in the back on the return, Woody had a good return. He runs 27 yards out to 28. Well, now it's half a distance to the goal from the penalty. Blocking the back on Deshaun Page. Now it's first and 10 at our nine. We're down 10 in the shadow of our own goalpost trying to make something happen. And then we were hemmed up the whole first quarter. DJ runs for six. They were complete to, to Polk for 16. First down. We go back to Polk for four. And there's a personal foul penalty on Trey Williams. Uh, gets it in even better shape, for sure. We get the first first down out of the 31, and then tack on 15 more. Makes it first and 10 out near midfield. And then we run DJ for four. Back again to him for four. Brings up a third and two. We run Marks for one, and he doesn't get it. Brings up a fourth and one at the Arkansas 41. I didn't think there was any doubt about going for it here. And I absolutely love the play call. I'd like to know, and I started to ask him postgame, but because we lost, it didn't matter. Was this called from the bench, or was this an audible from Will Rogers? Because they're running a run blitz. They're jamming the middle, trying to stop the dive. And Will pulls it, slips outside, dives forward for two yards. First down, moves chains. 
It was a huge play at the time, and it really gave us some momentum. And we were dying to get some. But this really gave us a chance to kind of get back in the ballgame. Then we're complete to Makai Polk for 11, the tackle made by former Mississippi State commitment Ladarius Bishop. Ends the quarter, and we're on the move. And you start thinking, okay, let's just get anything here. Anything here, we're in pretty good shape. DJ then runs for three. Then there's a holding call on cross. It backs it up. First and 20 from the 38. DJ runs for one. Second and 19. Will Rogers rolls right. He has Polk kind of in some traffic, and we force the issue here, and Grant Morgan elevates and picks the ball off. And again, a promising drive, slowed by our own ineptitude. We get a holding call, and then we throw a ball up for grabs, and it gets picked off. So, again, that's on us, but give Grant Morgan a lot of credit for making an athletic play. Nearly had one earlier, gets one here. Arkansas ball at their 13 after an unnecessary roughness penalty is assessed to Simeon Blair. So Arkansas gets it first and 10 at their 13, and now we're thinking, you know what, we've missed a golden opportunity to kind of creep back into the ballgame here. K.J. runs for four, then K.J. is sacked for six, back, back to the Arkansas 11, third and 12, and that's, that's money down for us, right? Third and long, we got to get rich there. They check it down underneath to Henry Hudson. We're basically in cloud coverage there, and we run and make a tackle. They give a punt, and uh, Wally catches it at the 40 but loses two, trying to break loose there and make a big play. Brings up first and 10 at MSU 38. For the first time, we get some pretty good starting position here. And what do you know? We drive down there and uh, give ourselves a chance to score. And one of the things I think is interesting at this point right here in the ballgame, we didn't know it then, but we, we didn't punt the rest of the game. We didn't punt the rest of the game. We didn't turn the football over the rest of the game and somehow managed to lose. All right, first and 10 at our 38. We're complete to Woody for four. Then it's an offside on Trey Williams for five. He was pretty much unabated to the quarterback. Brings up a second one. Woody breaks loose for seven. Rodgers incomplete to Jernigan, who's who's been a nice little third back for us. Four yards for him. We find Jameer Calvin on a really nice play there. Kind of a pump-and-go type deal. Uh, Jameer Calvin uh, good for 11. Down to the Arkansas 31. We go to the Makai Polk for 12, which gets us into the red zone. DJ then runs for nine down to the Arkansas 10. And you're thinking, okay, we're back in the ballgame. Marks then runs for three on second one, gives us a first and goal at the seven. If I told you right now we weren't going to get any points, you never would have believed me. We're incomplete to Malik Heath. Threw it a little bit behind him. Trey Williams in his face, threw it a little bit behind him. We throw it on target, it's a touchdown. But again, you got Trey Williams, one of the best pass rushers in the conference, kind of barreling down. Ball placement sometimes is going to be a little bit iffy. We run it to Marks for one. Back to Marks again. I, I didn't like the play call. So if I remember correctly, it was a toss sweep to the short side of the field. Just didn't work out for us. Maybe that's when we should have run a gadget play. I don't know. And then Brandon Ruiz attempts a 23-yard field goal and misses it. And then you begin to feel like, you know what, it's not our day. It's not our day. Up one promising drive ends in an interception on a great play. Bad read, but a great play. And then we miss the field goal. And so it's still 10 nothing. At this point, our offense is woken up, but we're not able to finish drives. Arkansas gets the ball back, and then they put some points on the board here. Sanders finally gets some positive work, gets 11 yards. Nathan Pickering with a nice play down the field after an 11-yard gain. 
K.J. then complete to Raheem Sanders for 24. Raheem Sanders in runs for three runs for two. Brings up a third and five. We again, a chance to get off the field at our 40. Complete to Raheem Sanders for six. Really good tackle there by Tyrus Wheat, but it was the first down. Trewin Smith runs for six. Back to him for two. Then they run Burks again. And we absolutely blow this thing up. Absolutely blow this thing up. They tried to get cute. We got after him. Strung it out. A couple big hits. He did not like it. It's a four-yard loss. They called timeout, 327 to go, and uh, looked like they were going to go for it for a while, but elected to kick the field goal. Makes it a 13-0 ball game. And even that felt inconsequential at the time. Proved to be a big play in the grand scheme once the game fell final. So we get the ball back, 315 to go in the half. And you know we get the ball first coming out, so you're thinking any points here are huge. A touchdown Gets you right back in it. Despite all the problems, despite the, the high throws, despite the fact that we didn't play exceptionally well at times on defense, we missed a field goal. You get a touchdown here, you're thinking, you know what? We're within a score and we get the ball first. Well, that's exactly what happens. We're complete to Jernigan for four. Will then runs for two after he gets flushed. Come On third and four, we find Austin Williams for 11. Brings it out to the MSU 43. We run DJ for two. Back to Williams for 28. Pretty nice depth of target right there, right? Rodgers is sacked for a two-yard loss. I do charge this one to him. And I give the Arkansas secondary a lot of credit, too, because they really covered everything up. Really kind of playing a true drop eight, as Earl Rodgers explained. If they're pressing to corners and playing three high safeties, and those backers are doing a pretty good job covering the intermediate routes. There was nowhere to go with the football. Will just tucks it a little bit too late, gets the sack. Trey Williams, again, one of the better pass rushers in our league. You can't keep him quiet for so long, right? So we call timeout, 49 seconds to go, of course, at the Arkansas 27. Uh, we're incomplete to Jaden Wiley and Joe Fouché. I got it killed us last year with a couple picks. A nice play by him. We find Ra-Ra Thomas for 13, which moves the chain. Ra-Ra Thomas is another guy that's emerging as a star right before your eyes. Had a really big ball game for us against Arkansas. Incomplete to Polk and uh, Markel Utzi all in his face there. Second 10, we get a false start on Scott Lashley. We didn't have a lot of pre-snap penalties. This one appeared to be a really big one at the time because it makes it second and 15 from the Arkansas 21. We run it to Dylan Johnson, who gets three. We call a timeout with 16 seconds to go. We elect to go for it here. Austin Williams basically runs a skinny post out there and uh, is absolutely – Hit early by Miles Slusher. Ball bounces up in the air, and Simeon Blair picks it off. Everybody's excited until the flags come out. It was a very obvious P.I. I know a lot of people there, you know, you've got some uh, emotional investment in the game. You want them to, to not have a score there if you're, if you're Arkansas. He clearly interfered. And if you don't understand that, maybe get somebody to explain it to you. It was clearly a P.I., Give State a first and three with seven seconds to go from the three. You know, you basically got one shot right there. So you take it, and it's a touchdown pass to Jaden Wiley. Really rifled it in there, too. And all of a sudden, everything changed. It felt like, you know what? Hey, we're in good shape here. Hey, as badly as we played, we're within six points, and we get the ball coming out. You felt like, you know what? This is going to be a ball game, and it certainly was. We end up kicking off there. Just kind of pooch it down the field. No return. KJ takes a knee. And that puts you into the half. So halftime score, 13-7, Arkansas. Ah, spring. 
Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get into the second half. And, of course, uh, Mississippi State went right to work. Nice return by Jaquavius Marks. Gets it out 33 yards to 34. Look, he was a block away from breaking that thing. We go to Makai Polk and uh, Monteric Brown with a nice play there to break it up. We go back to Marks for seven. Brings up a manageable third and three. We get nothing. Brings up a fourth and three from our 41. And it just seemed like that Mike Leach is like, you know what? We're going to score on this first drive. we got to do what we got to do. It's our side of the field. It's not a fourth and short. It's a fourth and medium, maybe. We're going to go for it. We run for four yards. Marks falls forward. It's a great job of doing that. Brings up a first and 10 to 45. We run four for Dillon. Then we're complete to Williams for 10. Brings up a first and 10 to the Arkansas 41. DJ goes for one. And we find J.J. Jarnigan kind of leaking out there. Leaking out there, and we get it to him for 15 yards. I believe that is his biggest play from scrimmage this year. We're complete to DJ for five. Makes a very manageable second five. We're complete to DJ again for one. He's run out of bounds just inside the 20-yard line. Complete to Woody for six on third and four. It gets the first down, and it just felt like we were going to score. It felt like that fourth down play kind of took a lot out of him. Rodgers runs for one after getting flushed, and then there is a defensive holding call on Arkansas the first of a couple right so now all of a sudden it's first and six at the Arkansas six first and goal and we're complete to rah-rah for the touchdown now all of a sudden the extra point gives Mississippi State a lead so you think okay now it's gonna put this thing away let's get a stop get the ball back and go make some things happen well we couldn't get a stop we get the lead and then they get it right back on the subsequent drive so, pretty good kick from Ruiz. Gives you a touchback. First and 10, the Arkansas 25. They run for six, then back for four. Gives them a first and 10, 35. And a pretty pretty nice run and tackle on the play. I like this Dominique Johnson kid. I think he's going to be a problem in the years ahead. And, again, foot speed's not really the thing that wows you. It's just that he's a guy that just really gets up there and kind of moves the pile a little bit and always falls forward. Pretty good short yardage back, but also a guy, too, that uh, kind of extends plays just because he can break tackles. And that was a pretty good, pretty good play there because I thought we actually had a, a good enough hit, I guess, to maybe drop him short of the line. Of course, it is second down. They'd probably get it on third down. But 
Pretty good play on both sides there. First and 10, K.J. runs for eight. Dominic Johnson again runs for two. Again, a positive gain from him. First and 10 out at our 45. Incomplete uh, to Traylon Burks. Cam Young got a hand on that one. And then they go back to Burks, and it's a six-yard loss. This is when the craziness ensued, right? So they throw it out to Burks. It, the, the play design was not good. The execution was even worse. And uh, Emmanuel Forbes runs him out of bound, and then Traylon Burks throws a punch. Now, I have seen some people, even some Mississippi State people, try to be, I guess, Arkansas apologist here. It was not an open face slap. He threw a punch, and he hit Emmanuel Forbes in the chin. The replays show it. Why they didn't review it, I don't know. And people say, well, it had been offsetting penalties because it was offsides on Mississippi State. Maybe it was. That's what they flagged. But Trillin Burks, like we should be ejected from the ballgame at this point. That's the rules. And people say, Steve, it's not reviewable. Yes, it is. It is reviewable. That is one of the purposes of instant replay. You, you want proof positive, you say? Go back to the 2018 Egg Bowl when we had the slap fest out there when Jonathan Abram uh, pimp slapped A.J. Brown, and next thing you know, all hell breaks loose. And then the ineptitude of the SEC Control Center. They review the, the fight, the fight, right? They call it a fight. And they eject guys that would even inject Cam Dantzler. He's gone. Didn't even do anything. Willie Gay is gone. What even involved? because they give the unsportsmanlike conduct to, to Willie Gay because, remember, he had to spin the ball thing earlier, right? And then C.J. Moore was injured and in full uniform for Ole Miss, didn't even play in the game, and he's kicked out of the game. So I'm not saying the review would have got it right, but it is absolutely reviewable. So it's second and five from the 50. Could very easily have been third and along 16, but instead it's second and five. K.J. runs for one, then they're incomplete to Warren, and then there is holding on Ty Weed out in the flat there. Gives him a first down. Again, that's on the third down play. We had a chance to get off the field there right at midfield, and, uh, you know, we're called for, for holding. And it, on based on the replay in stadium, it looked to be the right call. First and 10 from the 41. It's a rush of four yards. Back to Sanders for two. K.J. then goes for two on third and four. Brings up a fourth and two. They kicked the field goal to retake a lead, 16-14. So, again, you go back through this. We got a chance to get off the field. We had a chance to get off the field multiple times on this drive. We commit a couple penalty infractions, miss a tackle here, miss a tackle there. But, you know, they didn't have some big explosive play here. We were actually playing pretty good defense, and then we get flagged for a holding call that gives them a first down into our territory. You know, we play clean right there. It's they're punting, and we have the lead and the football. So, Will Rogers, not to be outdone, says, you know what, let me go back and get this, uh, get the lead back, right? So, we get the ball at our 25, we're complete the DJ. Then we hit Makai Polk on a fade for 42 yards. You guys, we want to go down the field a little bit. Very difficult to do against this Arkansas three-safety look. So, we kind of schemed him up a little bit. And somehow, some way, we got some traffic across the middle to kind of draw the, the inside safety down and Polk is open to the outside. A great throw, great adjustment. Makai Polk, a real star for Mississippi State, gives us a first and 10 at the Arkansas 31. One of the best pass plays of the year. DJ then goes for one. Well, Rodgers runs for two. Then we're incomplete to Jaden Wiley on third and seven from their 28. Been nice to convert there. We elect to kick the field goal to retake the lead. You know what we do? We miss. 46-yarder. Not a gimme by any stretch. Okay, but here's the deal. What are we, 9 of 17 this year in field goal attempts? It's just gotten to the point now where you have to hold your breath every time. 
You know, I remember when Derek DePasquale was here, right? And even last year, Brandon Ruiz, any time that we took the field to kick a field goal, I expected us to make it. That's just how I felt. It was just like it was automatic. The pride of the College of the Mines, Derek DePasquale, right? I just expected him to make it. Now, I know that Ruiz is still kind of rounding back into form from injury, and you, you ask yourself, well, if he can kick off so successfully, why can't he make field goals? I, don't, I wish I had the answer to that question. I don't know. But we've missed a second field goal. So, you know, let's say we make those two, right? It's a 20-16 to 16 ball game. But it's not. We missed them. So, Arkansas still has the lead at 16-14. Arkansas starts to drive at their 28. Dominic Johnson runs for 24 yards, one of their most explosive run plays of the day. Carried a couple tacklers with him. K.J. then an incomplete to Tyson Morris. Dominic runs for five again. K.J. Jefferson complete to Traylon Burks. This is a nice, nice throw and catch. K.J.'s ball placement is not elite, but I thought he made a couple of nice throws. They didn't ask him to throw it a lot, but he made a couple of nice throws and, of course, always kind of looking for Burks. Uh, and why wouldn't you? One of the best receivers in the SEC, if not the best receiver in the SEC. So he beats Colin Duncan there on the third and five. And again, they kind of scheme us up and get their guy paired up on a safety rather than one of our our corners. Then Dominic Johnson runs for another yard gain, brings up a second nine, complete to Raheem Sanders for 11 that runs out the clock. So we go to the fourth quarter. It is a two-point ball game, but Arkansas is on the move here. First and 10 at our 16, Dominic Johnson runs for two. It's almost like a broken record. You give it to Johnson, he gets you two and three on first down. Give it to Johnson, he gets you two and three on second down. Then the next thing you know, it's a, it's a manageable third down. So KJ can run forward or Johnson can run forward or you find Burks, whatever. I mean, it's like when you let them win on first and second down, you just put yourself in a pick-your-poison situation on third. Second and eight, KJ uh, incomplete to Tyson Morrison and then complete to Burks, 14 yards for the touchdown. And, uh, again, third and eight, they're going to their guy. You got to know this. You got to make somebody else beat you. And, again, we bring heat here. And I've, I've read some criticisms. People are like, well, every time we bring – the heat, we bring everybody, we get beat. That's not true. I mean, you only, you, you only remember the times that you get beat. How many times do we bring the heat, not just against Arkansas, but against Kentucky and others, where you see an, an errant throw or an early throw or a sack? Sometimes you bring pressure hoping to get a sack, and then, like, the dividend is you get an incompletion. Well, this time, K.J. made a great throw. That's a big, strong kid now. I mean, this isn't just some guy that's going to be – you know, throwing off his back foot, and it's just kind of hoping for the best. I mean, the guy the guy threw a dime. It reminded me a little bit of that when we got after LSU, Max Johnson made that great throw to Keyshawn Boutte to get a touchdown. Very similar play. If we don't bring pressure there and we sit back and sit back and sit back and sit back, and then they, they find somebody, then, you know, or KJ runs for it, then, you know, then all of a sudden the narrative is different. The result's the same. The details are different. Cam Little makes the extra point. Now it's 23-14. Now we're down two scores in the fourth, and this is when I think everybody felt like, you know what, this is a little different than 10-0 in first. Rather than panic, Mississippi State responds. Well, Rodgers complete to Ra-Ra for seven, gets it out to the 32. We go back to Polk for 12, brings up a first and 10 at our 44. We're incomplete to Jernigan. Nice play by the Ladarius Bishop there. Second 10, we're incomplete to Woody, brings up a third long, and you think, man, this is really, really going off the rails pretty quickly. We get it to Marks. If I remember correctly, he buy, he catches this at seven yards and is three yards short of the sticks and then lowers his shoulders and runs through two guys to get the first down. That guy's really becoming a star. He's really, again, growing up in front of us. Now you can throw it to him short of the sticks 
and he can run through people. Last year, that didn't happen. Didn't happen. The guy is really beginning to develop as a playmaker for State. We go back to Woody. He runs for nine down to the Arkansas 37, brings up a second one. Second one is kind of a money down, right? Even if you're a passing team, because especially when you've had some success running the football a little bit, are you going to run play action or are you going to run it here? Well, we find Ra Ra for 37, and basically most of this was um, run after the catch. And once he broke into the clear, there was nobody catching him. It's a touchdown. State gets the extra point. Now it's 23-21. The, the atmosphere in the stadium was completely different. Completely different. Because now all of a sudden we're within two. And, guys, there's, just, there's like 12 minutes of football left to play. So Arkansas has got to go make a drive here and get a touchdown and kind of answer Mississippi State. Well, they tried to. It doesn't quite work out the way they'd hoped. Arkansas takes over at their 25 Complete to Burks for nine yards. He's run out of bounds by Colin Duncan. And, again, that's the thing you see. Trillin Burks consistently being paired up with a safety. That's Kendall Browse scheming you up, getting his guy the ball in the matchups that he feels are advantageous to Arkansas. Traylon Smith then runs for a two-yard gain. And then Burks, again, they involve him in the running game, kind of an end-around play, 17 yards. First down at our 36. We call timeout to kind of settle the defense. I was glad we did. Then Smith goes for four. Smith runs for three. Brings up a third and three. They find Trey Knox, who has kind of disappeared. You know, when he and Burks first came up, we were all thinking this is going to be a really scary thing at Arkansas. You know, Chad Morris has gone out there and gotten a couple bona fide wideouts. Trey Knox has just not done much. Looks good in the uniform, but uh, this did not do much in the ballgame against Mississippi State. Uh, K.J. Jefferson did an incomplete to Traylon Burks, and they flag him for an eligible receiver downfield backs it up five yards that proved to be significant because now all of a sudden it's first and 15 you're behind the chains and then we get a sack of kj makes it second and 20 now you're starting to feel you know what hey second and 20 we ought to be able to get off the field here at least hold them to a field goal then they're complete to burks for nothing sean preston a nice play there they go back to tyson morris who gets 13 sets up a longer field goal 42 yards and then cam little misses the field goal now you feel like, okay, maybe our luck is changing. We got the ball back. We got a chance to go take the lead on a field goal. Let's go make some good things happen. Well, we did. Didn't need the field goal. And I turned to Steph, who was sitting to my left, and he was to my right. And I said, hey, Steph, what do you do if you're Mad Brock here? If State gets down there in field goal position, do you trot Ruiz back out there or do you give McCord a chance? McCord had kicked the last two extra points. I'd read some things on social media that weren't, weren't correct. I tried to correct those. I hope you guys didn't think I was having an attitude. I don't mean to, to sound preachy. But McCord had kicked the last two extra points. So he wasn't just cold. He wasn't just kind of sitting there. And Steph kind of points out, well, he's the guy over there warming up by the net, so maybe it'll be McCord. So we weren't completely shocked when that opportunity presented itself later. But right now we're thinking, hey, if you're Mississippi State, just go score the touchdown, and you don't have to make that decision about who you trot out there to be the kicker. Right out of the gate, we'll complete to Christian Ford, the newly scholarship recipient, Christian Ford, 29 yards. Every time I see him in the pass pattern, I expect a first down. I mean, it's just – it's it's remarkable how productive he is. Rodgers in sack for a one-yard loss. Again, similar situation. Trey Williams gets him again. I mean, you, you, you only have so much time – and then Trey Williams is going to eventually get back there and get to you. Just a one-yard loss, and Will probably could have tucked it and gone. But, uh, you know, again, basically a coverage sack there. But, I, you know, that's a thing I point out too. You know, Arkansas has not had a ton of sacks this year. But I thought Mississippi State did a pretty good job. State never looked overwhelmed on the offensive line. 
Never at any point. There were times against Alabama and even sometimes against Kentucky where they would scheme you up a little bit and uh, and bring a fire from a, an odd angle, and we weren't able to pick it up. I thought we handled it pretty well. Now, granted, they didn't blitz a ton. They did they did some. But this time last year, they, our five couldn't block their three. So, again, some progression there for sure. Well, Rodgers gets flushed again, runs for three. They called Lashley for holding, backs it up, makes a second and 21 from our 42. And I'm thinking at this point, we're in trouble. And we got a chance here. We're running out of time. And now we're behind the chains and then some. And what do we do? We find Christian Ford again, 19 yards down to the Arkansas 39. Brings up a third and two. We give it to Woody, who gets nine. Now it's first and 10 at their 30. And you could tell there was some anxious moments within Razorback Stadium. You could just definitely tell the air just felt a little thicker. Well, Rodgers didn't complete – excuse me, offside penalty on Eric Gregory makes it first and five from the Arkansas 25. So you feel like we're definitely in field goal range, but let's go score. We're complete to Woody for four, brings up the second one, complete to Jernigan for five. And what's that, four catches for him? Well, Rodgers didn't complete to Makai Polk uh, on, for seven, gets it down to the Arkansas nine. So it's second and three from the Arkansas nine. And right now I'm thinking, to be honest with you, I'm thinking, you know what, what if – what if we just play keep away right here? Okay, because it's second and three. So what do we do? What if we get a first down and just eat up their timeouts and then you know, take a shot on third down other than maybe kick the field goal? You know, I was thinking that. Of course, you know, you got to take the go-ahead touchdown when you can get it. But I was thinking that at the time, that maybe we didn't have to be in a big hurry here. Second three at their nine – you know, because that's the thing. You get a first down inside the six, and you can bleed those timeouts out because there's only two minutes and 30 seconds to go in the ballgame. But Will Rogers gets sacked for a six-yard loss. Well, now all of a sudden, now it's a different deal. Now it's third and nine, and they've stopped the clock, so you can't run. So you, you've got to take your shot to the end zone here. Because if you run it here and you don't get it, they're going to burn another timeout, Right? And so get the ball back basically with the time he did. So you got to go score. And Woody Marks is a great job. Will Rogers is a good job kind of buying time, keeping the play alive. And then Woody just kind of flashes out there in his vision. And uh, it's a touchdown. And we get the extra point. And so now it's two minutes and 22 seconds to go. And we're feeling pretty good about life. 28-23, I'm thinking, you know what? KJ is going to have to throw the football here. Maybe that enables the Bulldog pass rush to kind of get after him. And again, Arkansas – Pass rush did a pretty good job. They had an assist of a couple of non-flagged holding calls down the stretch here. But, again, this is the situation here. If we feel like that our defense is on the field to protect a five-point lead, they've got to go 75 yards, I'm going to like those odds. It's one thing if it's a field goal, but you're saying, you know what, they got to go get in the end zone. And we've done a pretty good job when we hadn't gotten in our way of slowing them down a little bit. But K.J. and the Arkansas defense rise up. So it's a complete pass to Dominic Johnson for seven. And then Dominic runs for 11. They go back to Trey Knox on the sidelines for four. He gets out of bounds. Then they find Trillian Burks, really kind of a sliding catch there for the first down. Now they're already in our territory, a little bit quicker than I think we'd hoped. But it's first and 10 from our 34. And what do we do? We bring the heat, bring Aaron Brule on a fire, forces an errant throw. It's incomplete to Dominic Johnson. Second and 10, clock is stopped. They work back to Knox on the sidelines for four yards. Emmanuel Forbes runs him out of bounds. 
Clock is stopped, third and six. Well, they run the same play, except Knox is short of the line to gain. Nathaniel Watson runs him out, short of the sticks. Now it's fourth and one. Everybody's thinking, oh, my gosh, here we go. Here we go. The, the game is going to boil down to this play, and essentially it did. We bring the heat again. They roll K- KJ a little bit to the right there and basically throws it into no man's land. They flag Martin Emerson for holding. I'll just tell you now, I did not agree with the call. There was contact, but basically, to me, it looked like Burks slipped or their feet got entangled. And I think in that situation, you have got to have a clean call. It's got, there can't be any room for interpretation. It's fourth and down. It's a possession play. The game is on the line. And you know, if you're Arkansas, you're saying, hey, if there's contact, we expect to get a call. I agree. But Burks basically runs into Emerson. Basically, kind of like a flop in many respects. But the bottom line is they flag state for it. It's a new set of downs. I can't imagine what it's like to kind of settle the defense here. We call a timeout with a minute to go to do just that. Then it's complete to Morrison for six. He's run out of bounds. Under a minute to play. K.J. runs for five and a first down. We had him sacked and couldn't finish the deal. And, of course, Tyrus Wheats being held on the play brings up a first and goal at our four. Uh, with basically, what, 30 seconds to go. And then Arkansas scores a touchdown. Dominique Johnson gets in there pretty, pretty much untouched. I think we were all expecting K.J. to take it. It's a touchdown. We get the ball back, 21 seconds to go. They go for two, they make it. Uh, so it's 28-31. So at this point, I think we all assumed the game was over. I did. Will Rogers didn't. What do we do? We find Christian Ford for 17. All of a sudden, we're out to the 42. Already near midfield. Then we get it out to Makai Polk for for 13. So now we're at the Arkansas 45, and everybody's thinking, holy smokes, is this thing going to happen? Austin Williams catches the ball. I think with four seconds to go, we get a timeout called. 23 yards down to the Arkansas 22. So at this point, your offense has done their job. Defense didn't. Offense did. Let's go kick a field goal, and let's tie this thing up and go into overtime. And I don't know what would have happened in overtime. You know, I think K.J. Jefferson's a really good red zone quarterback, so the outcome may have been the same. But, again, we tried Nolan McCord out there. And I'll be honest with you, like, in the moment, I would said, I'm going to send Ruiz just because this is such a pressure-packed situation. I don't know if McCord can do it. And that's not throwing shade at the kid. I just felt like, you know what, maybe – Ruiz is a guy that has been in a similar situation before. Let's ride with him. I don't know what he told the staff. I don't know how he felt. I don't know if his, you know, if his dog ran away or his girlfriend broke up with him. I don't know. Maybe he went to Matt Brock and said, Coach, I just don't have it today. I don't know. But I just kind of felt like when I saw McCord go out there, I mean, I was home hoping he's going to make it, but I just said he's going to miss it. It is such a mentally tough thing to go out there on the road and make this kick. Didn't get a good snap, didn't get a good hold, didn't get a good kick, and he wasn't there. And Sam Pittman said in postgame, I knew they were going to miss it. You know, well, based on what we had shown throughout the day, that, that's a pretty even bet, pretty easy bet to make. We missed three field goals, and we lose the ball game by three. And so, again, a lot that we can complain about here, a lot of it we control, though. That's the thing. A lot of it we control. Can't control the officials. We can control how we play. Uh, Look at some numbers. K.J. Jefferson, a very efficient 19 of 23 for 191 yards. The one touchdown was sacked three times. 
Uh, Will Rogers, 36 of 48, 417 yards, four touchdowns, the one interception, sacked three times, and I think two of those sacks are on him. I think he'll tell you the same. The coverage sacks, so he's probably got to tuck it and go a little bit quicker. And a lot of that's just him trying to be patient, wait for a guy to spring open. Sometimes you just got to go. Uh, but again, if, if you tell me that Will Rogers is going to go what complete, what, 75% of his passes for 400 yards and throw four touchdowns on the road, I'm going to expect that we've won. Woody Marks runs for 40 yards, no negative plays for him. Dylan Johnson runs for 31, no negative plays for him. So your Bulldog running backs falling forward on those rushing plays. Also shows your offensive line did a pretty good job uh, in run blocking. Arkansas averages 250 yards a game on the ground. They got 202. And if we, we wanted to hold them under their average, and I told you guys last week I didn't think they'd run for 250. They didn't and still won the ball game. Makai Polke catches for eight, 117 yards, a good game for him. Austin Williams, 472. Christian Ford, 3 of 65, pretty good average there. Rara, 4 catches, 63 yards, 2 touchdowns. The nice 37-yard catch and run was a huge play for State at the time. J.J. Jernigan, 4 catches for 28 yards, along of 15. I believe 3 of his 4 were also conversion plays where he picked up a first down. Uh, D.J., 5 of 12. Jimmer Calvin, got to get him more involved, 1 of 11. And Jaden Wiley, just one catch for three yards and the touchdown. Of course, he had a drop early in the ballgame. Malik Heath did not have a reception. Uh, don't be surprised if Rara Thomas is a starting X. I was told earlier in the year, don't be surprised if it happens. I was like, yeah, we'll see. I, I think it's pretty obvious at this point he is probably the most productive guy at the X. That's not so that two doesn't make some plays, but you got to find a way to get Rara more involved. Uh, Sean Preston, your leading tackler. And I just kind of felt like it was smart to have him play more instead of Jalen Green because of how physical the Arkansas run game was. It made sense for Preston to be on the field. He was. He had a pretty productive game, uh, the nine total tackles. Tyrus Wheat with eight. Cam Young with eight. That's a lot for a defensive lineman also with a pass breakup. Aaron Brule with six. Buki Watson with six. Colin Duncan with six. Charlton with five. Fred Peters with five. Jet Johnson with five. Uh, your sacks, Tyrus Wheat, Aaron Brule, and Buki Watson. So three sacks on the day. Archer Trafford, just the two punts, averaged 44 yards. That's a, it's a bit of an increase, what Mississippi State has seen here as of late. Uh, Arkansas uh, has, the, the, has two punts, average uh, 50.5. So that's a win for them. They definitely won when it came to special teams. Three or four on the field goals, too. The one uh, long of 42. He hit two career longs. I think 48 was a career long. He came back and hit 51. So good for you, Cam. And I thought it was a very noble gesture when the game is over. He runs out to console uh, Nolan McCord. Those kickers are a different breed, but they do kind of look out for each other, as you guys are well aware. Uh, So there's your ball game. And uh, Mississippi State played well enough to win, but didn't do it. Just one play short of getting this thing done. Time for today's top ten list, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Blair Chandler, longtime friend of mine. Be a friend of yours, too. It pays to have a friend in the business. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things out there that I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on. There are other things that you need an expert. That's what Blair Chandler is. He's a mortgage lending expert. Guy works at Fairway Mortgage, top 1% close ratio nationally. Guy gets things done. Also picked up some boneyard loans here as of late. How about that? Good for you guys, giving Blair a chance. I believe in doing business with Bulldogs whenever we can. I support that. I try to do that in my personal and professional life. I like to do business with Bulldogs. I do. Because I feel like my money's going to a good place. Check with close at Blair.com. 
If you're looking to refinance your home, maybe you're looking to buy a home for the first time, maybe the second time. Maybe you're looking to restart life. Maybe you're not exactly sure what you qualify for. He can help you with that too. And maybe perhaps today you're not in a position to buy a home or refinance your home. Blair can help you get ready. He can tell you what you need to do, what steps you need to take to make yourself a better borrower. How about that? Maybe you went through some trauma during the COVID season. Maybe you've got credit card debt out your ears. You need to find a way to consolidate that. Get your equity working for you. Blair can help you with that. Consolidate that stuff and lower, lower your monthly payments. Make it a little bit easier from month to month to pay the bills. If you're a Boneyard listener, he's willing to pay for your appraisal. I don't know if you knew that. All you got to do is mention to Blair that you heard about him on the show. Doesn't matter if it's email, text message, phone call, whatever. He's going to pay for your appraisal. About a $500 value. There's a lot of fees that go along with borrowing money against a home. Blair's trying to save you a little bit of that. Just because you're a Bulldog. Because he wants to do business with Bulldogs too. Give him a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, that is 601-500-2344. And you know what? That's his personal cell number. That's not some office phone. It's just going to sit there and ring and flash, and they'll just kind of get to you when they get around to it. Nope. That is on his hip right now. You know it is because he's got that belt clip. You know he does. Like most people put it in their pocket or whatever, not Blair. Now he's got that clip. Always ready. Always ready for you guys. Sometimes it's on his suspenders. No, I'm just kidding. He's not that kind of guy. He's probably out running a trail right now listening to uh, listening to the show. But there you go. Close to Blair. And Blair has a special request on Wednesday. We're going to do one of Blair's lists for the top ten list. It's going to be – I'm going to get uh, one of this band that – I don't really like this band that he wants, and so I'm, I'm asking for his help. So we'll do that on Wednesday. Today we've had about, a, I guess, three or four requests – Another one came over the weekend about Rick Rubin. Had somebody message me and today, Steve, look, I'm not a big Jay-Z fan, but uh, I agree with you on a couple of tracks. Rick Rubin is a musical genius, and he absolutely is. And, and here's the thing that I don't think, it, it kind of sneaks up on you a little bit. When you look at the artist that he's worked with, and you're thinking, what, what, who, what, what? You know, because he kind of started out doing like some some punk bands. The next thing you know, he's working with Public Enemy and Run DMC and LL Cool J and the Beastie Boys, Slayer, Danzig, The Cult, Masters of Reality, The Black Crows, The Ghetto Boys, my mind is playing tricks on me, Red Hot Chili Peppers, even The Dice Man, Andrew Dice Clay, ACDC, Nine Inch Nails, the list goes on and on. Johnny Cash, Mick Jagger. It's ridiculous to think the who's who and music, wanted to work with Rick Rubin, including Sheryl Crow, Tom Petty, Limp Bizkit, many, many others. A lot of people have worked with Rick Rubin, and so we have a great list of songs to pull from. Now, we could probably have done a Rick Rubin, Rick Rubin rap list, a Rick Rubin pop list, a Rick Rubin rock list, but we didn't. We didn't. Now, there are uh, a few other people, too, that uh, have worked with him that are legendary that didn't make our list today. I didn't put Audio Slave. I didn't put Little John. I didn't put uh, a few people. didn't put Lincoln Park. And you could say, Steve, how could you not? Lincoln, he did a bunch of stuff with Lincoln Park. But uh, I didn't. Didn't put any Smashing Pumpkins or even Black Sabbath or even ACDC. No Lady Gaga on this list. But this is a, a tremendous list with a lot of diversity. We're going to do some metal. 
We're going to do some really, really hard metal. We're going to do some pop. We're going to do some blues. We're going to do some rap. We're going to do a lot of rap. So let's go ahead and get started. Number 10, one of the most innovative acts in the rock scene today. It's Slipknot. Got a new album out. And they have not mellowed in their older years. You know, a lot of bands, it's like they're all, they're broken. And so they record these albums singing about their pain and everybody can identify with that. Then all of a sudden they make millions of dollars and they go to therapy and they're dating, you know, Playboy models. And next thing you know, life is good. And so then the music kind of stinks, right? And I would Slipknot. I don't know who they're dating, no clue. But they have not mellowed. And uh, we're going to go back a few years. We're going with Vermilion from Slipknot. That's a Rick Rubin production, Vermilion from Slipknot. Number nine, this was kind of a comeback album from Metallica. And some people didn't like it. I really, really liked it. It's Death Magnetic. And I think there's a couple of songs in there I absolutely love. But the first single that was released just absolutely kind of brought me back in and reminded me of being a teenager. It's all nightmare long from Metallica off a of Death Magnetic album. Pardon me. I thought Rick really pulled the best of the band out. Now, we're going to go in a completely different direction on number eight. Because many of you probably had no clue that Rick Rubin worked with Adele. So we're going to work with Adele today too. And we're going to go with Set Fire to the Rain. And it just shows you the range of Rick Rubin. How many millions of copies did that album 21 sell? I mean, well, I guess we could look, right? It is ridiculous to think how well Rick Rubin has been able to work with all these great albums. I mean, so this album comes out in January of 2011. It is, uh, had tons and tons and tons of singles that uh, many of you ladies know so well. It is the best album of the 21st century in the United Kingdom, and the fourth-selling best album of all time. That's pretty remarkable to think about. Let's see if we can find some, some numbers here as we kind of look through this. It's, all, it's 31 million copies worldwide. Think about that for a second. 31 million copies. And that's Rick Rubin basically doing an unknown pop singer. Number seven, going back. Man, I absolutely love this album. I think they're doing an anniversary tour for this now. For Shake Your Moneymaker, it's the Black Crows, and uh, could have gone a lot of different directions here, man. I, that album sonically is tremendous. The production value is phenomenal. But I went with Twice as Hard. And I love everything on that album. A lot of you guys know them from Hard to Handle because it was a great cover. But Twice as Hard, to me, is an incredible song, and I love Chris Robinson's vocal on that. Number six... We went, we went with some Eminem here, and uh, he produced the Marshall Mathers 2 album. Some of you are familiar with that. I like this one. I like the collaboration with uh, with Rihanna here, but it's uh, The Monster. I dig it a lot. I think you will too. I like the beat. It's pretty cool. And again, just shows the versatility of a guy like Rick Rubin. Number five, going back to kind of the early years when Rick Rubin was kind of making a name for himself back before he didn't have that much of a beard, he did a lot of work with Public Enemy. And if you know anything about me, back in the day, I was a big PE fan. I'm still a big Public Enemy fan. Chuck D, I think uh, you guys know my feelings about him. But we went with, uh, this is from It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. It's Don't Believe the Hype. Probably Flavor Flav's shiny moment. That or 911 is a joke. But Don't Believe the Hype, Public Enemy, number five. Number four on the list, and this is a band that credits Rick Rubin with saving their career. They thought they were kind of a new wave band. 
And then he jumped on the album Electric. And I thought the, the Love album from the cult was phenomenal. But everything that kind of happened after that, they became a real rock band because of Rick Rubin. And he kind of told them, hey, I know you guys like this, but you're a rock band. And so the, the Electric album kind of changed the direction of this band and really was kind of the precursor for what Bob Rock did with Sonic Temple, which is one of the greatest albums of that era. But I went with Wildflower, number four from the cult off the Electric album produced by Rick Rubin. Wildflower from the cult. Number three, one of the most iconic albums of my teenage years. And everybody had it. Everybody loved the Beastie Boys. License to Ill was an incredible album. They have an incredible catalog. Rick Rubin was one of those that kind of discovered them and kind of got them going. I could go a lot of different directions here. I could go with No Sleep Till Brooklyn. I didn't. I could go with You Gotta Fight for Your Right to Party. I didn't. You could go with Girls. I went with Paul Revere. To me, that's the best song on License to Ill. Paul Revere. Number two, we just talked about this guy on Friday, but I, I can't do a Rick Rubin list without mentioning I talk so glowingly about the song 99 Problems. It's your number two song today. So if you enjoyed listening to it on Friday, you can enjoy it again on a Monday. Jay-Z's 99 Problems. And, you know, Jay-Z gives Rick a shout-out at the end of the song, too. You crazy for this one, Rick? Number one, we didn't talk about him much in the, pre, the prelude to this, to this uh, segment of the show, but we're going to talk about him now. One of the, the biggest dance songs probably of my lifetime. This is one, even to this day, you get those soccer moms, man, they get out there and they get a couple glasses of wine in them and, and you hear the opening beats to this and everybody runs to the dance floor. I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it. So when this song hit the radio, I was DJing back then and used to DJ a lot of swaps and Southern Miss and DJ private parties and stuff. You know, we had... We had a lot of, a lot of uh, equipment, and so we were pretty reasonably priced, so we stayed busy. I didn't want to get a regular job anyway, so we stayed busy. This is, without a doubt, the most requested song in all the years that I DJed. And you know exactly which one it is before I even say it. Oh, my God, Becky, look at her butt. It's Baby's Got Back from Sir Mix-A-Lot. That was a Rick Rubin creation as well. And again, I think this list, I mean, it's just hit after hit after hit after hit after hit. If you can get Rick Rubin to produce your album, chances are it's going to be a hit. But he only works with the best, and then the best work with him. So it's been incredible to see all this happen. I remember when he all first started, it was such a weird thing. It's like when he was producing all these great rap albums in the beginning, you're like, Hi, no, what? This dude? Yep. Look at him now. The super producer, Rick Rubin. That's your top ten list today. We'll be back on Wednesday with a, um, a little different a different list, let's just say that. Much different than this one. If you have an idea for the top 10 list, reach out let me know. You can find me on all forms of social media at ScoutSteveR. It is now time for the SEC Weekend in Review. We thank our good friends at Campus Bookmart for being a sponsor of the show. Had a chance to visit with them some last week down at Mistletoe Mark Place. It was great. If you had a chance to make it down there over the weekend, you had a chance to pick up some signed books. You can find my books at campusbookmart.net. They got all four of them. So rather than having to look at multiple vendors, you can get them directly from Campus Bookmart. But also, too, it's time to outfit the family with the latest in maroon and white fashions. Go by and see Stan and Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie Cheyenne, the whole group down there will take care of you. They're working hard to make sure that you get the latest and greatest in Mississippi State merchandise. 
Christmas time is coming up. It'll be here before you know it. It's already November 8th. It is November 8th. Christmas is December 25th. It will be here before you know it. Let them help you with some of your online shopping. Rather than go buy from some national retailer or something, support local vendors whenever you can. Canvas Bookmark can handle your online purchase with expediency and with love. Visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll save you a little money. Use promo code BSR, and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And, of course, BSR stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. You think it's a game? It's not. Campusbookmark.net, promo code BSR to save shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And if you're Christmas shopping, you'll be happy to save that money. Save a little shipping. May enable you to buy a little more eggnog for yourself. All right, kind of a weird weekend, shall we say, in the SEC. And it's pretty much been that way just about every weekend, right? Something happens we're not expecting. Well, Georgia blasted Missouri. We expected that. Georgia's a machine, man. I mean, 43-6, to it's ridiculous. Giving up less than six points a game, right at six points a game. We are seeing a historically good defense at Georgia. You don't have to be elite on offense. They can just be pretty good on offense and just kind of run the table. And that's the thing I thought early on. I said, well, they got to get JT Daniels back, get him healthy. They got to get the guy rolling. You know, the way that defense is played, I don't know if it's true. I don't know. I think just to having a good quarterback can make the difference here. But 43 to 6 winners uh, over, over Missouri. And um, it was not good if you're Missouri. It, it, is, it is not good. Now, Missouri may be licking their chops knowing what they got coming in next, but they're 4 and 5 right now. And it's pretty interesting to look at some of these numbers. You know, uh, Beatty ran for like a career high last week, ran 41 this week. They even brought in a dual threat quarterback to try to change things up a little bit. And he goes 6 of 13 in relief of, uh, of Cook and uh, runs for for what, uh, I guess they ran two dual threat quarterbacks out there. Yeah, and so it still didn't work. It makes no difference. Georgia just runs through. And so JT Daniels, 7, 11, 7 of 11. Uh, Stetson Bennett, 13 of 19 for 255 and a touchdown. So – they're just kind of doing what they do at the University of Georgia, and they do it exceptionally well. Now, a lot of people called me about this game. I only talked to a couple people about this Ole Miss-Liberty game. People said, Steve, who are you rooting for? Well, I'm rooting against Ole Miss. Well, we didn't get the game we expected. I thought it would be reasonably close for a while, and then like Snoop Connor would take over and just blow Liberty out. Give Liberty credit. But it was 24 nothing at the break. And you just felt like this thing is over. Absolutely over. Jerry and Ely with a 70-yard run, and they tack on a field goal, and Ely again. Dennis Jackson with an ice grab makes it 24 nothing. They just kind of coast on in there. And the next thing you know, they're rolling. Liberty finds a way to make some things happen. Uh, Malik Willis did not have a good day. Six of 25 for three interceptions. 173 yards, no touchdowns. Liberty does find a way to uh, put a couple points on the board to make it look somewhat respectable. It's a 27-14 game, you know, with about with six minutes to go. It just didn't work out. Matt Corral banged up, still played pretty well, 20-27, 324 yards and the one touchdown. And uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, he's a Heisman candidate. Yeah, I think he has faded a little bit as of late. 
even in a game like this where he should have been able to pad some stats, he really didn't. Um, and so some of that, too, is about the people around him. Braylon Sanders tries to give it a go, has a couple of catches, 64 yards. But uh, Ole Miss wins the ballgame. That's the bottom line. They win the game. They're 7-2, and two, Liberty now 7-3. and three. I will say this, and I started not to say anything because I don't want to get in trouble, but, uh, but the reality of it is, you know, it's like you see all this stuff, and, uh, you know, Ole Miss and, and Hugh Freeze were kind of joined at the hip for a long time. Uh, the Ole Miss official Twitter account, that was really, really tacky. Listen, I'm no fan of Hugh Freeze. I think the guy is, is an awful person. But you got to show a little dignity there. You win the ball game, you're expected to win, and actually you win 27-14. It's not like you won 59 to nothing or something. You win 27-14, you're out there talking trash. I mean, it's like, and that stuff was out there for hours before anybody did anything about it. I mean, it's just, it's disappointing. And not, not that Hugh Freeze deserves a lot of grace, but the reality of it is, I just think, you know, I think it's more indicative of kind of who Ole Miss is rather than Hugh Freeze is. And you know my feelings about Hugh Freeze. But um, I think maybe you look at it this and you say, you know what, it, it, this is not a Hugh Freeze problem. It's an Ole Miss problem. And maybe Hugh just went in Rome, acted as the Romans did, but uh, pretty tacky. And I know they came out there and apologized, but the damage is already done. you got to be smarter than that. And they had the picture of Hugh Freeze and everything in, in the hospital bed. that's been meme-worthy for so many years. Disappointing, but I can't say that I'm surprised. All right, uh, A&M, 23 winners over Auburn. Really thought Auburn would, would make a better game of this offensively. It's 3-3 at the break. And then A&M gets the field goal in the third and then really puts it away there in the fourth quarter. I mean, you know, really, the, it, it's pretty crazy how it all breaks down. It's like it's a 9-3 it's a game. And then Michael Clemens picks up a fumble and returns to 24 yards to put the game away. It's pretty crazy. I guess that was a Bo Nix fumble. Bo Nix, not a good game. 20-41, 153 yards, one interception. He is a much different quarterback on the road, which worries me a little bit about this A&M Ole Miss game this weekend. But we'll see. Oh, excuse me. The Mississippi State. How did I know that I make that, that, that mistake? But um, the A&M game this weekend at Ole Miss, I feel okay about the Mississippi State game at Auburn. I don't feel quite as good about that one because uh, Bo Nix is a much better quarterback at home. So we'll see. Auburn now 6-3, and and uh, in, in a game up, up from us in the SEC standings uh, when it comes to bowl pecking order. Alabama really struggled with LSU, and uh, I think most of us, including myself, expected Alabama to be able to name their score. They run the fake punt, jump pass to move a drive. It's 7-0 after one, and then Alabama puts a couple touchdowns on the board there in the second quarter, makes it 14-7. And then next thing you know, you know, it's like it's a ball game again. It's a, and it's like it just kept kept going on and kept going on and kept going on. And then uh, so Alabama scores, makes it twenty to seven, and misses the extra point. And then late in the game, touchdown pass to Max Johnson makes it twenty to fourteen. And so if you had money on LSU, you probably you probably made a ton of money here. Uh, Bryce Young twenty four thirty seven for three hundred two yards, a couple touchdowns. Not huge numbers, but not bad numbers by any stretch. But what's amazing is they held Alabama to, what, six yards rushing? Six yards rushing. It's incredible. So, Ed, not winning any ball games, but um, you also not saying, hey, we're not going to just pack it in here. And it's like we look at this LSU schedule, we knew that was going to be a loss. Yeah, they're four and five right now. Four and five with three to play. And that's Arkansas at LSU this weekend. That could be interesting. 
U.O. Monroe, that's a W, and then A&M at LSU, you know, and that's one thing, too. If anything else, LSU got Jimbo Fisher's attention. But, you know, you look at this and say, you know, there's a possibility that LSU could, could miss a bowl game for the second straight year. They should beat U.O. Monroe, but if Arkansas goes in there and beats them this weekend, are they 5-7? and seven? Even at 6-6, six and six, I don't think that they're a team that um, – that bowl people would want over Mississippi State. You know, we'll see. LSU travels well, but they're not real motivated for a lame duck coach. Now, one of the more exciting games of the weekend, and there were but there were several, the Tennessee 45-42 win over Kentucky. And uh, pretty incredible ball game here. You know, there was a, a late face mask call that wasn't called that led to an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Stoops, sets up a fourth and 24, and they converted anyway ridiculous but I want to go back about the penalty and so I don't know what he said okay so he may have been well within his rights to be flagged but let me just say this that this is what irritates me about some of this stuff it's like you blow a call that is essentially game changing and then you don't want the coaches to react they're expect to they're expected to to distract to excuse me to display some professional decorum I mean, these are million-dollar jobs they have that they could lose. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like you're you're paid what twenty-five thousand dollars, or whatever it is, as a, a part-time gig, and you could you basically could indirectly determine if a guy loses a multi-million-dollar job, and then you have the audacity to, to be upset because a guy shows some emotion. Kentucky loses ball game now six and three. T- Tennessee now five and four. Got to watch those guys a little bit late because they have a more favorable schedule. And if I had to pick it today, I would say, you know what? Those guys are probably in a pretty good position to get a better bowl destination than Mississippi State because they're going to finish 7-5. and five, They're going to lose to Georgia, and they're going to beat South Alabama, and they're going to beat Vanderbilt. They're going to be 7-5. and five, But the Tennessee folks can be pretty excited, not to mention um, this might be the last year to get a bowl for a while because, you know, there's a good chance they're going to get a bowl bent. Maybe they take one this year. I don't know. Don't know what will happen there. But Heupel has this offense kind of hum along pretty well. But it'll be interesting to kind of see, you know, kind of how things, you know, progress with Tennessee's NCAA case here in in the coming weeks. But a huge win on the road for them last week at Lexington. And, again, this Kentucky team, I, I told you guys I thought they were exposed against us. They absolutely could not cover Tennessee. Absolutely could not cover Tennessee. And so for those of you that have been keeping tabs on this, that's three straight losses for Kentucky, three in a row. Now, they're fixing to have a chance to get right because they've reached uh, the easy part of their schedule. So, they're, you know, sure, they have to win out win a ball game to get a double-digit wins. I know some people pretty much guarantee that earlier in the year. But they get Vanderbilt, and then they get New Mexico State, and then they get Louisville. And only one of those you look at and say might be a possibility for loss is Louisville. So, you know, they're looking pretty good to be 8-4 and four and likely go into a better bowl game than Mississippi State. Uh, barring something unforeseen. You would think if we both finish 8-4, and four, we might get the nod there. But, you know, we'll see. But probably the most shocking result of the weekend, and we talked, we touched on it earlier in the show, Florida rolls in to Williams-Brice Stadium and Beamer Ball absolutely destroys them. 40-17, to 17, and the, the, the 17 came late. Now South Carolina 5-4. And firmly in the bowl picture, 
because they picked up a, law, a win that nobody expected them to win. And remember, this is the team that had to score in the final minutes to beat Vanderbilt, and then they absolutely trounced the Gators. They've got to go to Mizzou this week. They host Auburn and host Clemson. The bowl season for South Carolina likely boils down to this weekend, I would suspect. Now, you do get the last two at home, but this is probably the most winnable game of the final three. We'll see how things progress with those guys. But you know, who thought we'd be talking about that today? That Beamer ball could be in a ball game in year one. And everybody panned that higher. But like, and I love Shane. Shane's a great guy. But people are like, oh, he's not ready for that job. And you know what? He Maybe he wasn't. But he has proven himself to be very capable. It's pretty interesting. They start a third-team quarterback. And what does he do? Goes 14-24 for 175 yards and two touchdowns. It's crazy. Had two guys rush for over 100 yards in the ball game. Did South Carolina? Looking at your Florida numbers, Emory Jones, 17 of 30, 258 yards, a couple touchdowns, and a pick. Florida's leading rusher had 39 yards. That's it. That's the thing about Dan Mullen, right? Is we know him to be that physical line of scrimmage in the trenches type coach that basically wants to spread you out and have the power running game. It's not good, Dan. It's not good. And, of course, you know, there's turmoil in Gainesville. Looking at this schedule, they're four and five with three to play. They'll get Sanford this weekend, and it's probably going to boil down to them and Mizzou. Because, I mean, it's, they should win the last three games, right? Sanford, Mizzou, Florida State. But at this point, can you assume anything for Florida? I mean, yeah, they'll beat Sanford. They'll be 5-5, five and five, and they'll have to win one of the last two to go to a bowl game. Do you think anybody from the University of Florida is going to be fired up to go to, like, the Liberty Bowl? I mean, honestly, think about that. I mean, do you ever think Liberty Bowl would ever think they'd get Florida? Nobody's going to want to go to that game. I mean, you think, oh, okay, well, we're 6-6, six and six, and, we, and our coach is going to be coaching for his job next year. Um, so, yeah, let's go get tickets and go to Memphis. Dan, you better get comfortable in the bell bowl. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be interesting, to say the least, how this all shakes out. And looking at your SEC standings, so looking at you know, so looking at the East, you know, Georgia's already got this thing wrapped up, right? They're nine and zero. No way they should lose the rest of the way. Uh, and then you've got kind of a glut of teams right there at six and three, five and four, four and five. Mississippi State right there at five and four, and. Um, it's just one of those things you begin to kind of ask yourself, you know, what is left for some of these teams to do? And there's a lot of teams kind of in and around us that aren't going to make a bowl game. We just got to make sure that we do. Arkansas six and three, Ole Miss seven and two. We're five and four. LSU four and five. LSU likely going to finish last in the West this year. How about that? Didn't think we saw that coming. Didn't think they'd be great. Didn't think they'd be last in the West. But uh, Arkansas obviously picks up a big win there, but Arkansas still has some difficult games uh, left to play as as well. And looking at that Arkansas schedule real quick to see what those guys have left, I forget from week to week. So they're at LSU, then they go to Alabama, and then they host Mizzou. And so that game this weekend could be dicey to LSU. We'll see how things progress. They're going to lose to Alabama, right? And so they could be 8-4. and four. They could be 7-5. and five. If we had beaten them last week, we could not have to worry about all this. But uh, a lot of football left to be played, uh, to say the least. 
Final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. I like Portico. If I was moving to Stargirl, it's where I would move. Right there off campus, 1.1 miles from campus, close enough to campus for convenience, far enough away for a little privacy. You turn off of 82 on a 12 to take the very first right. That's Pat Station Road. You cross over old West Point Road, boom, Portico. Right there. You'll be glad you you'd be glad you moved there. That great walking trail, and again, kind of a quiet area over there, but again, very close to campus, but not too close to campus. The rest of that story is phase one is already complete. Those houses have already been purchased. Phase two, coming up now, and you can have a say in how your home is built. You can pick out your lot. You can lay out a floor plan and say, this is what we want. They'll give you some options, and you can kind of move forward with that. Everybody deserves to go through new construction once. And you deserve to have a little say. This could be your final home, right? You say, well, it's a startup home for us. Maybe it is. Maybe this is the retirement home. Maybe this is where you plan to, to raise a family. It's a great place. Portico, a great place to live, a great place to kind of be in Starkville, but not be in Starkville. You understand what I'm saying? It's like you get the benefit of the city, but not actually being in the city. I think that's an important aspect of things, too. So let's give Brooks Bryan a call. Brooks is your friend. Brooks is my friend. He is a friend to Mississippi State and to the greater Starkville area. He can give you more information. The phone number is 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. You'll be glad you did. Make Portico your next move. All right, this moment in Mississippi State history brought to you by Portico. Let's go back to one of our more surprising wins on the road at Auburn. How about that? Let's go back to 2007. That's the good Sylvester Croom year. Had a great ball game out there and uh, got off to a really, really big start in that game. We, we, and we, we take the kickoff and go right down and kick a field goal. Adam Carlson uh, made a 32-yard field goal to give State a 3-0 lead. And it felt like, okay, we're in pretty good shape right here. We, we go down there, Michael Hennig and, and Anthony Dixon, just kind of make some things happen. And we put together a pretty good drive. Get inside the red zone there. Can't finish the deal, but uh, we do get a field goal. And points on the road are always important early because you kind of get the crowd a little bit uneven. And then what do you know? It's the Bulldog defense coming back with the next score. Auburn starts their drive, and uh, Ben Tate runs over to the left side for no game. Big Demon Glant and Jimmy John's best friend with a big tackle there. And then there is a face mask called on Lee Ziemba, who was a huge recruit out of Arkansas. Backs him up, makes it first and 22. Brandon Cox drops back the pass, and then Derek Begues picks it off, brings it back to the house. It is a 10-0 Mississippi State lead before anybody has finished their nachos at Jordan Hare. It really felt like, you know what, hey, can we hang on? Let's just go ahead and start running clock now because it just kind of felt like they were going to have a tough time scoring on that Bulldog defense. You know, Ellis Johnson did a great job that year. So Auburn comes out again, gets ready to go, and uh, they, they run the football, and next thing you know, it's a third and six. Brandon Cox intercepted by Anthony Johnson at the Mississippi State 34, brings it back out to the 42. We are unable to capitalize here. But Blake McAdams does a nice job getting the ball inside the 20 there. Probably would like to have a little more length there. Gets it at the 17. They change quarterbacks and decide to bring Cody Burns in. Cody Burns, of course, uh, one of the assistant coaches now kind of involved. Uh, we're doing some recruiting uh, around the SEC now. 
And lo and behold, Cody Burns, first drive, they come in, they're basically going to run him. And what happens on third and seven? Because Cody moved the chains a couple times. And we knew that he couldn't hurt us throwing the football. We knew this. And then Cody Burns is sacked for a loss of 11 yards, and it's DeMond Glanton, again, Jimmy John's best friend, um, forcing a fumble. And Jimmy Holmes, the pride of Mississippi Delta Community College, uh, jumps on the football. And so, again, right out of the gate, Auburn has turned the ball over three times in the first quarter. But we still couldn't quite put it away. And we still couldn't quite do it. We do make a field goal there, and it puts us up 13 to nothing. And, uh, you know, we're in the second quarter now, and you're up a couple scores, and you're thinking, man, you know, as well as we played and as poorly as they played, and they've already had to make a quarterback change, you look at the scoreboard and it feels like, man, we should be farther ahead here. Well, we weren't, but uh, defense again stands tall. We get, a, uh, we get a stop. They kick it out of bounds inside our 20th or 13. And the next thing you know, Blake McAdams with a great punt here, a 55-yard punt to the Auburn 20. They actually outkicked the coverage there, and it's Jamar Chaney. That's right, Mississippi State uh, assistant coach now, Jamar Chaney with a, the tackle after the 26-yard return. Auburn takes advantage of the good field position there. They go right in and score uh, Ben Tate, kind of carrying the mail there. Cody Burns with a nice run, too, to kind of set things up. Ben Tate with the touchdown there. Makes it 13-7, and we're just thinking, man, can we get into the half with the lead? Well, we, we couldn't. Uh, Derek McKee, Derek Pegues gets ready to bring it out, and then he's hit and fumbles. And then they recover the football at our 30, go right in and score, and it's 14-13. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh. We have had complete control of this ball game, and we have gifted them back the lead. And I'm sure that's kind of how they felt in the first quarter. We bring in Wesley Carroll, and, uh, you know, Wes goes down and tries to make some things happen. We couldn't get anything done before the half. So it's 14-13 at the break, and you feel like we're a play away from putting this thing away, and now we're down one at the break. Probably similar to how Arkansas felt this past week. I mean, it's like you have opportunities you can't finish. Uh, State drives down the field. Excuse me here. Auburn. Auburn has the ball first out of the half. And so they come out and are driving down the field. And what happens? Kyle Love recovers a fumble forced by Quentin Wesley at our 19-yard line. So that's four turnovers for your Bulldog defense. We come back. Flip the field a little bit on them. And then uh, they have a chance at decent field position. They don't capitalize on that and uh, punt it away, and it's a touchback after a three and out. Mississippi State comes back. Blake McAdams again with a nice punt here, and it's like we're just kind of playing punt right here back and forth. Neither team doing much offensively. Um, Josh Riddell, remember him? Josh Riddell, transfer, came in here, supposed to be a backup. Ended up playing in this ballgame. We're trying to generate a little offense. Just can't get it done. So, then we get a nice punt from Blake McAdams. And on top of that, there is a block in the back, which makes it first and 10 if they're 16. We get a decent defensive possession here and get the ball back. Um, basically backed up in our end zone. And this probably led to uh, one of the best moments, I guess, uh, in many respects for us because we had every chance to quit right here, and, and we didn't. 
We had every chance to quit. They start driving down, and we force an incompletion. They punt a 42-yarder down to our one, and you think, okay, this is it. They're going to get us. We're going to get out of this, and uh, we're going to lose this ball game. Not what happens. Somehow, we got through this thing. We're still down 14-13, and Josh Riddell gets sacked and fumbles the football, but gets back on it at our 12. What a disaster that would be. Then we're incomplete to Jamel Smith. Blake McAdams did not have a good punt this time. The ball is out at our 42. And they have a chance at this point now to tack onto the lead or get some separation. Unable to do it. Unable to do it. We do a good job defensively here, force a three and out. They have to punt again, and it's a touchback. Three and out for us, and then here's what happens. This is the shiny moment in Blake McAdams' career. We are backed up inside our 20. Dixon runs for one, then it's a loss of five, and then we're incomplete to Tony Burks. Blake McAdams, punting from the Mississippi State end zone, hits a 73-yard punt. We have been playing the entire second half on our end of the field. We finally... Get it out of there. A 73-yard punt. Mississippi State downs it at the Auburn 11. Now we're thinking, holy smokes. Now maybe we can have a little room to run here. Well, here's what happens. Another Auburn turnover is Demario Bobo from South Panola High School. Steps in front of a Cody Burns pass and picks it off and returns it to the Auburn 44. Now you're thinking, okay, let's just go find a way to get uh, get some points on the board. The way our defense is playing, we can make some things happen. But, again, a lot of this is set up by the big punt because they're backed up. They're having to drive the length of the field. We get a turnover in plus territory, and we take full advantage. Dixon runs for three. Dixon then six. Dixon for two. It's first and ten at the Auburn 33. Dixon runs for 10 to 23. No gain to this play. Then it's a two-yard loss. Brings up a big third and 12. We run a draw play to Christian Ducre, former transfer from Tulane, He gets 18 yards down to the Auburn 7. Dixon runs over to the left side for two. Ducre up the middle for no gain. And then finally, on third and six, third and goal from the five, and you everybody's thinking it's going to be Anthony Dixon. We give it to Ducre, who gets off the right side for five yards and a touchdown. We go for two and don't get it. But it's 19 to 14. 19 to 14. We got to make one more stop. And defense has been outstanding all day. The defense has played outstanding. And Ellis Johnson had these guys ready to go. So the final drive, and this is one, this is this could have been a similar situation to what we saw last week, right? It's like you want to sometimes you got to win a game with your defense on the field. Sometimes you don't get to kneel. Sometimes you got to make a play. That's basically what we had here, even though we did get to take a knee at Jordan Hare. Brandon Cox sacked for 10 yards. Titus Brown with the honors there makes it second 20 from the 14. Then Cox is complete to Smith for 12. Then it's complete to him again for 23. So now they're out towards midfield. They got to get a touchdown to score. Got to get a touchdown to put this thing, to get a lead here, to give themselves a chance to win. Cox and runs for four. Ben Tate runs for 17 yards. Hadn't thought about that name in a while. He was a really good back for Auburn. Brandon Cox incomplete. Then complete to Smith for seven. Down to the state, 14. Third and three. They run it at the middle. They get a first down. Now it's first and goal from the Mississippi State nine. The clock is ticking down. Cox is incomplete to Gabe McKenzie. Avery Hannibal back there causing some havoc, forcing an earlier throw. 
Cox then back to pass again to Carl Stewart for no gain. Big tackle by Anthony Johnson out there in space. Third and goal, Brandon Cox incomplete to Tommy Trot. Jamar Trent Chaney on the coverage there. They call timeout with less than a minute to go and think, okay, we're going to go make a play here. They dial it up, and the ball goes incomplete. State had everything in the end zone covered up, and Cox just had to get rid of it because Titus Brown, the Tuscaloosa native, is all over him, forces the throw early before anybody trots open. And what I remember is Dominic Douglas. You remember him, a transfer from Heinz Community College? I remember him, number 10, a, a forgotten but very productive linebacker during that era with Sylvester Croom. I remember his fist going skyward and him running off the field because we had held on to win the ball game, and we take a couple nil downs. We have won the ball game 19-14 to at Auburn. And again, it ended up being you know a, a decent year for us. Obviously, we go 8-5. and five. But that was one of those games where we began to realize, you know, maybe it's a little different. Maybe we're a little bit better than we expected to be. We get drilled by LSU that year, 45 nothing. We win at Tulane, 38-17. Then we win at Auburn. So back-to-back road wins. We take down Gardner-Webb, makes us 3-1. and one. We're just trying to get ball eligible, right? We lose at South Carolina. We beat UAB, 30-13. to Then we lose a pretty good ball game to, to Tennessee. We get blown out at West Virginia. And uh, then we, we win at Kentucky, 31-14, as we should. As we should. And we beat Alabama. Beat Ole Miss. And we beat Central Florida. It's like you go back and look at how the season began, and you look back in hindsight, and so we had some big moments. But that Auburn win earlier in the year really made us believe, you know what, maybe we'll be okay this year. Maybe we've got a shot. And we did. Ended up having a decent year. And, um, of course, the wheels fell off the next year. But the reality of it is that's a big win for us on the road at Auburn. And uh, against a team a lot of people didn't give us a chance to win against. So there you go. The Bulldog defense coming through. And then Blake McAdams who is a Boneyard listener. Blake, thank you so much for all your support. 73 yards, and every time that he messaged me, I would say, hey, Blake, thanks for that punt at Auburn. Made all the difference. Really did. Made all the difference in the world for us. Set up, basically set up the the go-ahead and winning score for Mississippi State. So if you see Blake Adams today, McAdams today, tell him thank you. Hey, Blake, thanks for that punt against Auburn. Great team win. Won in every aspect of the ball game. So there you go. That's your... This moment in Mississippi State football history brought to you by Portico. All right, long show today. Let's get out of here. I know many of you guys are probably wondering where Steve is. He's back from Arkansas. I am. Got a lot to do today. We'll get ready and go see Mike Leach in a little bit. And I got some other things to do today. We want to thank you guys for your support. And if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. And I'll have an update soon on that. I still don't have a release date. I want to make sure you guys – I tweeted out a picture of a bunch of uh, Flim Flam and Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs that went out in the mail last week. Those are not dogpile. A lot of people see that. Oh, I hope it's mine. No, no, no. It may be yours if you ordered Alpha Dog, Stark Villains, or Flim Flam. But basically, everybody that ordered books with dogpile because of this delay, we're going to go ahead and get those out to you. So you should have those. And then dogpile will be in your mailbox as soon as we get it. As soon as we get it, I'm going to go run down there and sign those and we'll get them in the mail. And I wish I had more information to tell you. There's this national paper shortage. You don't think that stuff is real until it happens to you. As soon as I get information, I'll let you guys know. But um, appreciate your support. Again, dogpilethebook.com. You can get all the books there except for Blooms of Oleander. And you can get that from Bookmart and Cafe, Amazon, uh, Campus Bookmart. You can get it wherever you want, basically. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to starkvillains.com. Appreciate you guys repping the brand. 
as always. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.